I, I can play some video games with Allison around, but I was trying to play that when she got off work because I just wasn't being productive at work. And I just bought it and installed it. And uh, yeah, impossible thing to play around a member of uh, your desired sex is a Dragon Ball Z fighting game. talk about things my name is henry and my name is john and together we're henry and john coming right at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist and john let me just stress we are back it's interesting there are so many different ways you can say we're back and it's always the same but depending on your intonation it can mean a lot of things like if you're like we're back it it makes it seem like you were gone for a short period of time whereas like a like a dinosaurs wear back is kind of menacing and implies you've been gone for a long time also when did the dinosaurs say wear back you remember Uh, jurassic park (laughs) john you're making reference to wear back a dinosaur story one of my favorite films from childhood have you ever seen it yeah no i've never seen it i think i just called to mind the the poster or something John Goodman plays a really big T-Rex and sings a song about being a T-Rex. Is this different from the sitcom Dinosaurs? This is way different from the sitcom Dinosaurs. This is animated. Uh, there's a boy and a girl. I believe it might be a Don Bluth property because, uh, of course, the characters are very young, but they're also very adult at the same time and that they're totally into each other even though they're like six. Is there also, uh, if it is a Don Bluth property, obviously there's some broad in there. <laughs> so some pinch waist broad. I, I don't know if there's a broad. I think they he poured all of his attention on the small young girl because not to say anything, but like Don Bluth's characters are just kind of weird, huh? Don Bluth. I think that there is no human being on earth or has ever lived on earth or now in heaven rest in peace prince uh as horny as don bluth he he just he couldn't keep it out of his work now let me just double check that we're not um dragging this guy through the mud for no reason ooh 1993 i can't find his name attached to this project at all uh, no, I don't see it either. Ralph is Oh, no, I'm destroying a man's career for no reason. I mean, oh, yeah, I've seen this this poster. Now, for what it's worth, uh, Don Bluth is a is a very uh, is a very horny deviant who did do stuff like that. But he also made really horrifyingly dark cartoons about dogs and stuff. 
Yeah, I guess I just I connected the young girl from this movie, uh, Where Back a Dinosaur Story. She reminds me very much of the young girl from All Dogs Go to Heaven. And they're so similar, I thought, that they w- were done by the same artist. Uh, but that does not appear to be the case. Oh, the art style looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll watch this. It, it's, it's, it's a terrible movie. You should totally watch it. You know, I've got other things going on. Maybe, maybe I'll watch it. But John, we are back, and uh, we are, we're going to cover everything that's happening right now. That's right, every single thing. Two things are happening, as a matter of fact. Well, more things are happening, but we're only going to pay attention to two things, uh, and that those two things are our drinks that we just opened. <laughs> Yes, uh, I am drinking, of course, a Tahitian Dreamin' Southern Heights Brewing. Uh, it's not fresh, but it was free. And uh, I am I'm drinking Coke Zero. I mean, ooh, is this this is the last week of drier January, John? It is. Do you feel like you learned your lesson? <laughs> I wasn't punishing myself, John. <laughs> Do I just you wasn't feel like, like you're t- going to change? This wasn't a time out. This is <laughs> Wouldn't that be so Okay, so imagine you you have a problem severe enough that you have to check into re- rehab. And you you go for the th- you know, 6 weeks or whatever or the 6 months however long you need and you heal and you rest up and you feel like a different person and you're changed. But the last thing they ask you as you're walking out the doors is in a very condescending tone. All right, Mr. Henry, do you feel like you learned your lesson? <laughs> um, I feel like rehab would be so much more effective if that were the case. Because I would go right back into rehab because I would never learn my lesson. Right. I would go straight to a bar and then call them up and say, like, no, I didn't learn my lesson. <laughs> I renounce come- my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> they would come right back and pick me up and... And charge me another $60,000 to cure me of my, my problem. Yeah, they'd send a white van round. Uh, big stooges in, in big white coats would come out and they'd have a big net. What do you think the uh, the, the the required training, the, the requirements, the qualifications you need to be one of those big burly men in the white coats? Because they can't just be strong men, right? Because they're in hospitals. Yeah, well, I mean, to be a big, burly man in a strong coat, and just to be clear, we are talking about the ones with the big nets and the straight jackets. Um, you have to be strong. You have to be not intelligent or wily, but you have to be like, have some intimidating level of intelligence so people can't get one over on you too easily. But you do have to be stupid enough that people can like leave a sandwich on the hood of your car and you get distracted by it and then they get away. Well, yeah, because you got to keep your gains up. I feel like there's like a body weight kind of thing where they're like, look, if you're under 200 pounds of muscle, we got to let you go. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you're under 200 pounds and also, you know, you you can't be like too cut. You got to be like 15 to 25 percent body fat. It's pretty tough. It sounds pretty tough. Yeah. And the pay is not great. I would imagine it's got to be, like, just above minimum wage. You're actually paid in uh, little tin uh, lunch containers that have a sandwich (laughs) and a boiled egg in them. (laughs) What do you get to drink? 
Uh, a thermos. Of of what? Uh, unclear. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad I in, didn't go that route and instead wasted all this time and money uh, getting a degree. Yeah, it's uh, it's way better now. You now you're an academic. You have patches on your shirt sleeves. I'm a I'm a Boy Scout. What's happening here? <laughs> you're you're an academic. There's like patches on your elbows from like resting it on desks oh. and like writing dissertations or whatever. Whereas I yeah. went to school to become a corporate fat cat. Uh, so I'm chomping on big fat cigars and laughing with all of my friends, and we're pulling on our curly little tails. <laughs> you became a literal cat. Well, a pig. Some of us are pigs. Some of us are cats, depending on <laughs> depending on how they want to portray us. Okay, I'm confused. You can't be a fat cat and be a pig. Some of us are pigs. Some of us are fat cats. They're capitalist pigs, <laughs> and then they're oh, greedy okay. fat cats. It's interesting how that works because, like, you know, capitalist pigs, they they get all this money, but then, like, pearls before swine. They don't understand what value is. Yeah, the fat cats, though, they really they really like quality. If it's not quality, the fat cats are out. All right. I'm lost in your world of cats. I am but a mere patchy academic, both elbows resting on the desk at all times. Good. It's good that you understand your place in, in this uh, in this anthropomorphic caste system. Wait. Not to be confused <laughs> with the anthropomorphic cats system. <laughs> Everyone's animals, but academics are just elbows on desks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> academics are just everything from the sole of the shoe up to the elbows on the desk. You never see their face. Uh, they're very oh. worried. Uh, everyone else is a fat cat or a pig or a precocious dog or cat or some sort of cooking rat. And then the only people that are humans are, of course, the big bumbling people with the nets. Right. Of course. All right. I'm glad we settled all that. I'm glad we know what world we're in. I feel like that's the mark of a good base level of sanity. Now, of course, you have to keep up that base level of sanity, or like we discussed, the people with the nets will show They know. Up. They can tell. Yeah. What organization do they work for? That's they're the just, question. <laughs> they're just man thought. catchers. They're just man catchers. Or dog do they work or for cat the, catchers. Are they like truant officers? Or do they work for like the government? Like who who's sending these men out? And why do they only get paid in lunch pails? It's very unclear. Man, what a crazy world we live in. A lot of crazy things are happening right now. Um, well, some of which I don't understand at all. What an incredible... I, I gotta say, in terms of like the, the segue tier list, man, what a crazy world we live in. It's gotta be in the top three uh, as far as segues go. It's bulletproof. <laughs> it's pretty... It's vague. For one, so we can springboard to kind of any topic. Everyone um, I, can agree it's a real, if you don't like the weather in blank, wait five minutes, it'll change. It's universal. Yeah, it's universal. can be applied to almost anything. And I even followed it up with, like, I don't understand what's happening. Uh, do you? So I even threw it to you. 
to, to you know, so it even builds up teamwork and camaraderie. It's almost like the only way that segue could fail is if someone decided to analyze the segue rather than accepting the throw. I would want to. I would want to see the the uh, the attempt of someone starting the segue. Man, it's a crazy word out there, and I don't understand it. But maybe you understand some of the things that are happening, and I would want to see the response. Someone just going. Actually, I disagree that it's a crazy world. I believe the world is is very sane, and now we're going to dissect just how sane the world is. I disagree with your thesis entirely. The world is rational and makes sense. You know what's not rational, Henry? Oh, what a great segue this is, because now we could go into sort of any sort of little topic that you want to discuss, and we can kind of like pick it apart to see exactly why it's not rational. This is a very great segue, and I applaud you for it. That's right, Henry. Markets aren't rational, or at least they weren't today. Now, when you say markets, are you talking, you know... Are you talking like the root market or like the gourd market? Like, which market are we talking about? Well, of course, as we know, markets are defined by any uh, medium in which exchange can take place, an exchange of value can take place. In this case, I, of course, refer to the most depraved, perverted, and uh, piggish market of them all, the market of stock. I believe the the term is uh, bullish. Uh, there's also bears. Oh, man. Though, if you're a bull or a bear, you've got to watch out for those guys with the nets. You are not supposed to be in the city that could be Chicago or New York or San Francisco. Only those three cities? Well, it's a big city. There's some hills, you know, sometimes like a car, especially like the car for the man catchers. If they're like really in a hurry, you'll see it like go up a hill so fast and like gain a little bit of air and then it comes right, back right. down. Yeah, I'm aware of what you speak. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it could be any of those cities. Uh, we've talked a lot of shit about our cartoon world, but I think the actual cartoon world we live in. Uh, is is genuinely more interesting today. Have you ever heard, Henry, of a little company called GameStop? I actually have heard of this company. Uh, they sell video games, and they provide power to the players. So the I spent a lot of time in GameStops in my youth. And this today, well, yesterday and today, marks the most time that I've spent thinking about GameStop for the last, oh... Maybe 15 or 16 years of my life uh, because the internet has decided apparently uh, that nothing matters and nothing has any inherent value whatsoever. You and I were looking at this for the better part of the day, but GameStop, largely being traded as a joke, uh, has reached incredible heights up 90%, I think, to close out the day from the price it opened at. Just uh, uh, unbelievable. So for a little history here, John, uh, there's a Reddit user by the name of Deep Fucking Value who posted in November of last year, Hey, everybody, this is the position I'm taking. I'm going long on GameStop. I'm going to put down $50,000 now. And his prediction was that by April... 
he would have a portfolio worth talking about. And uh, everyone kind of ripped him apart. And of course, the the concept of deep value, if if people aren't familiar. Also, this is the most uh, technical finance terminology we're ever going to get into on the podcast, unless something crazier happens next week. Uh, But deep value is this idea that uh, a stock is undervalued and it actually has some either measurable people will use the term fundamental a fundamental indicator of a stock's price is if you can look at like the published data about a company like its supply chain its earnings per share uh like what it earns what its expenses are then that's like its fundamental value uh and we're actually going to talk maybe about the efficient markets hypothesis at some point but deep value is typically a position people will take on a stock when they think that it doesn't have something that's easily read into its fundamentals, that it's actually very underpriced and is fixing to like soar based on some inscrutable kind of value. I don't know if, if this deep fucking value guy did the same, did it based on this. I don't know what the timeline is. He Uh, he did. He did. He he talks about it at very in depth. He is actually a live streamer. Uh, a financial live streamer by the name of Roaring Kitty. And uh, he he's definitely talked about his position, why he thinks that his position is true. And, and he's not at all, it wasn't really his goal at all to facilitate what's happening right now. But he pointed at the new CEO, a new like um, strategy posited by that CEO and then he really believes that GameStop could become an Amazon-like entity for buying video games. And all of this is sort of seemingly backed up uh, because a, uh, a Dr. Michael Burry, whose name you might recognize from The Big Short, uh, months after this uh, deep fucking value posited this and, and published his position – Dr. Michael Burry kind of backed him up saying, like, yeah, I also believe there's some deep value in GameStop as well. And, and I think a lot of that comes from uh, they recently elected to their board of directors the CEO of Chewy.com who, like, bought a pet food company and then turned it into, like, the single biggest website specifically meant for buying pet food. Uh, so if anyone could turn the company around and actually present a case for genuine deep value, it would be that guy being on the board. So that might be exactly why deep fucking value and then Dr. Michael Burry took the positions they took. Um, now, the funny thing is there's another side to this story, John, which I think we're going to it's time to introduce and get into, right? Wait, which part? The part that happened within the last three days? The truly insane part? Well, well I guess maybe. I'm, I'm, the part involving Melvin Capital. So I think you might actually be more knowledgeable about the Melvin Capital invo- involvement than I do. But all of this to say, uh, if you were to discuss Melvin Capital, a lot of hedge funds, particularly Melvin, uh, have taken what's called a short position. Uh, so, and I might use these terms, I don't know. Uh, but in case you don't know, once again, most financial gibberish talk we'll ever have on the podcast. If you're short a stock, it means that you believe that the stock is going to go down 
in price. You usually do that by like doing options contracts on it, like options contracts to like sell the stock at a higher price than it actually sells for. So you pocket the difference. So you're basically profiting on, you're using leverage to profit on margin and a number of hedge funds. I think Melvin capital, especially have huge short positions in GameStop because it's been like fundamentally understood uh, from looking at GameStop's financials that they are probably going to go bankrupt in the near future. Absolutely. Like if you've seen GameStop in the news before this week, it probably was the headline GameStop closes X number of stores. Uh, they were, I think they might have actually, well, I don't know for sure. They were in definite financial trouble. Doesn't take a financial advisor to point out that their stock is probably going to go down. Uh, so yeah, I Melbourne, mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And we're in, we're in the middle of a of a digit I mean we just we're seeing a sounder of of video game consoles released with digital only versions like if there's a clear indicator that a physical place to buy video games is not going to be the thing in the future it's that plus we're in the middle of a pandemic and malls are dying and most game stops were in malls. I actually remember you saying we're in the middle of the pandemic reminded me one of the early headlines I saw was that GameStop was in the news fighting to say that they were an essential business. And that's kind of when the nation became aware that GameStop's in a little spot of trouble right now if they're fighting this hard to stay open when nobody's going outside. Um, So it, it it doesn't really take a hedge fund manager to point out that maybe it's a good idea to short GameStop to make a little money. But the thing about Melvin Capital is they're the type of hedge fund that only caters to the ultra wealthy. It's mm-hmm. who the ultra wealthy go to so that they don't have to worry about their money again. They just and, want and the money to And I do want to set make. up like an argument of scale. No hedge fund is for the people. Like, yeah. Min- you have to be someone worth millions of dollars to even consider having uh, holding any positions with a hedge fund. And to be a hedge fund that is specifically a concierge, like top 1% of hedge funds, hedge fund, the people you serve have to be real rich dicks. Exactly. And uh, to, to, to comment on your, um, <laughs> your, your, your comment, that's dumb, to speak on your comment about them taking a large short position, uh, they shorted GameStock 168%. Incredible. I don't know how that's possible. How do you short something more than a hundred percent? I feel like if we, the further we get into this, it, it will kind of butt up against my ignorance. Cause I understand for the most part how certain option strategies work, but when people actually talk about like the, the margin on like, I know like put call ratio stuff, but when it gets into more complex option stuff, I'm, I'm kind of lost. So I wouldn't really know. And I'm completely ignorant, so um, I'm just repeating things I read in articles. Um, But that's basically the summary of the situation going in. You've got this huge hedge fund shorting GameStop 168, a large, like John said, a really large uh, short position. And uh, then an you've extremely got, safe short position, like normally, yeah, yeah. And then you've you've got deep fucking value, who is unintentionally inspiring people to buy and hold GameStop 
stocks. Uh, and, and he did this by basically just updating people on his positions. And he used to do it like every month. He would just say, this is where my positions are. And at the beginning of this year, he, he posted a post and he was up. I'm going to estimate because I don't really remember. He was up about $9 million. Yeah. And the value of the stock just kept kind of increasing over time to the point where at, at closing today, he closed with his position at $23 million. Incredible. And he started, let me remind you, with 50000 So the something that's interesting about all of this I, I, it comes from Wall Street Bets. I don't know if we said it by name. We have not said it yet. The Redditor in question, Deep Fucking Value, posts to a little-known subreddit called Wall Street Bets, uh, where people YOLO bets on the stock market – and most of the time, it's just people posting their losses. Yes. Wall Street Bets is, for the most part, kind of a joke. But, I mean, a lot of people in Wall Street Bets are, like, genuinely savvy people. But they're people who like to have fun in the stock market, which is a particular kind of person. But, like, following the initial posts about GameStop, going long on GameStop, taking a long position, which is the opposite, of course, of the bearish short position. Taking a long position means you believe the price will go up. You can go long in a couple different ways. The most common was you just buy the stock. Uh, otherwise, you uh, buy like call options on it. Uh, but going along GameStop has been a joke on Reddit for like a few months. And it did that really amazing thing that things do on the internet where it was like joke, 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 kind of a joke, kind of a joke, serious, serious, deadly serious, I will die for GameStop. Yeah, it went from like, look at this idiot taking this just stupid position to I've, I've withdrawn all of my money and just bought GameStop shares. And I, I advise everyone to do the exact same thing I'm doing. And it also – so – I think maybe an interesting analysis to do on like general usage of the internet is going to be interesting from Friday of last week to Friday of this week, because I think more people are learning uh, trading terminology and trading strategies during this week than they've ever been asked to know in their lives. Like a short squeeze is something that's pretty rare and a stock selling at such volumes that it hits a circuit breaker relatively rare uh we are seeing multiple short squeezes happening the stock was halted three times today like people are seeing some of the most exciting stuff happen over and over again yeah like if there were a super bowl of stock market trading like it's happening right now one Every like news organization is writing about how a little ragtag team of redditors is taking on a hedge fund manager. Manager? No, just a hedge fund company. And then two, like this stuff just doesn't really happen all that often. Yeah, it, especially like a short squeeze. Like the number of people who actually know what a short squeeze is today is probably ten times the number of people who knew what it was like a week ago. And we ended up in this really interesting position where everyone's focus is now on a stock that was so viciously shorted for so long that this is like a short squeeze can sometimes be imperceptible, but this one's so obvious and it keeps happening at so many different price points. If you don't know what a short squeeze is, 
for people who have short positions when they see that their options are probably going to expire worthless to hedge their bets, they then have to buy the stock. So they have to convert their position to long at a loss, but they're hedging their bets by buying the stock. So essentially you're having people who thought the stock would plummet and then they panic and realize that it's not going to. So they have to buy the stock to stop the bleeding. And by buying the stock to stop the bleeding, the price goes up. And when the price goes up, the people who want to fuck over the short sellers and make more money buy it so the price goes up, which makes short sellers have to buy more of it, which makes the price go up. And this will explain why on Monday, the uh, the Melville... That's its name. I just had a weird bubble around the word Melville. Is it Melville? What? I think it's Melvin. Melvin. That's what, wrong. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this explains why the, the Melvin hedge fund company had to be bailed out to the tune of $2.75 billion on Monday because they had to buy all of the, their positions in order to keep them. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating because this hedge fund – is worth so much money that it's effectively getting bailed out by private equity and by banks because it's a hedge fund that like no one wants to fail. And, and the crazy thing is like it was bailed out with all that money and that that's not even a blip on the rest of the the market's radar. Like it didn't affect anything else across the board. All that money to bail out this hedge fund and it didn't affect the economy. Yeah, uh, I mean, the the ultimate trick of the economy is there's a lot more money going around than people would lead you to believe. I was led to believe that the economy is a horse-drawn carriage that we just feed dollar bills into, into the horse. And if we ever, if, if we, there's only a billion dollars and if we ever run out of money, the horse dies. I mean, it's just, look at the money that we just as a country have, not even an economy. How many trillions can we throw at the military-industrial complex but say, we can't spend the $120 billion to end child hunger? Yeah, yeah. I hear that argument all the time. Literally evil. Literally an evil thing to choose not to do that. Well, don't don't you know we have to have the world's largest standing navy that's larger than the top 10 countries uh, that are secondary to us combined. I mean, no successful. Co- I don't know. Eventually, we're just going to be a lot of people with tanks and no prosperity, and it's probably happening sooner rather than later. Um, but we still have Coke Zero. We still have Coke Zero. Thank you, Coca Cola Co- Corporation and the Coke Brothers. No, why? They're not related. <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't know. It, it's very interesting to me because one thing. Uh, I don't know. Can we say that? Can we say if we took positions in this on the podcast? I don't want to give anyone advice. In fact, I'll give people advice. Don't do this. It's essentially well, okay. gambling. Well, just yeah. One, this is essentially gambling. Two, anything we've said before this point and after this point should be taken with a huge grain of salt. And three, we are not experts. We are not financial advisors. Please don't listen to us. It probably is too late to do so anyway, but just in case it's not, we, we, you know, it's you at the end of the day, never put money, never spend money. You don't have 
or, or you can't afford to lose because nothing is a guarantee. Yeah, I mean, there's so many better ways you can spend your life. And anything, any analysis or anything we say that could sound like analysis is purely meant for the sake of humor. Uh, and that's it. But it's a very fun thing to watch. Uh, and and I, I, I took a small position in it just to keep engaged because I wanted to watch it because it seemed important. And... I've I've watched something really interesting develop because of the relationship to this Melvin Capital hedge fund. A narrative is developing around buying GameStop stock. I just realized this episode is going to come out on Friday. So this is going to be very outdated information. We're either going to sound, uh, well, no, we'll sound we're, naive we're, no matter what happens. We're just talking about this particular Tuesday, this small moment in time. This narrative is building around the uh, uh, the buying and holding of game stocks st- the gamestop stock continue <laughs> yeah we're we're actually creating a narrative now at this point or the the people on reddit are where they are young people not of probably incredible means though i think wall street bets probably has people who uh maybe trend a little wealthier than most of the other places on the internet but it's people who have a great distrust or hatred for uh, both private equity and hedge funds and so-called boomers and kind of the financial establishment. And they are now starting to see things like circuit breakers. Circuit breakers just happen. Like no one chooses to pull a switch. They're just automatic points at which when things are selling at an abnormally high volume or they gain or lose a ton of value, they will stop a stock from trading because they don't want any crazy they don't want like a run on the banks they don't want everyone to like lose their shirt in a second like they they want to create like resistance points where they're like okay everybody cool out think about stuff for a second because they don't want people to get worked up into a frenzy and ruin themselves financially and they don't want firms to go bankrupt in five minutes uh but you have people who are creating this narrative of like thinking circuit breakers are like strategically deployed to stop them from driving the price higher. Uh, we have people on Wall Street bets who are like peddling this narrative that hedge funds are actually trying to drive the price down, which they might be, but they think it's like adversarial and in response to them, which I don't necessarily think is true. But it's just making it crazier. It's making them want to buy and hold it more. It got to the point where one Wall Street Bets user actually filed a report with the SEC against the Melvin Company uh, to, 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 to try to report market manipulation. <laughs> I mean, you can file a report with the SEC about anything, so I guess they had a, a little bit of time. I don't necessarily think that that's true on Melvin's part, but I mean, uh, I don't know. With with the size and volume of hedge funds, it's not impossible to imagine that they might be trying to manipulate a market. Right. And th- th- there were people saying, you know, you're going to see the price fluctuate a lot throughout the day. That's a bunch of different hedge funds buying and selling uh <laughs> Just volumes of GameStop shares just to get the needles to move. It's like I I don't know enough about the market, but that that doesn't sound smart to me. Yeah, I mean there there are some cases like institutional investors, you know, people who deal in thousands upon thousands of shares at a time. They can sometimes do things where they'll like 
pump the price of a stock to like trigger a sell-off because they hit people's limit orders. And then when the stock price comes back down, they take a different position. And I don't know, people with enough means can effectively manipulate a market. Uh, And that's why circuit breakers also exist because it keeps institutional investors from just dumping, you know, 2 million shares all at once and, and ruining everybody's good time. Uh, but we're also starting to get into something pretty interesting, which is after hours trading, which is complicated, but basically... Yeah, I, the- I, don't, I don't get how the stocks can change value after hours, but then it stopped at some point, but then like an hour before the market opens, it, they, the price starts fluctuating again? So, okay, here's the easiest way I can explain after hours trading. So imagine the stock market, like the New York Stock Exchange, is, it's like a mall, right? And there's a GameStop in that mall. Right, okay. And everyone can go into the GameStop and they can trade in their used games, they can get store credit, they can buy new games like Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and everyone's having a good time. Everyone can just go into the mall, into the GameStop, get games, give games, you know, create positions where if the price of a game goes up or down, they can buy or sell it at a specified price, either uh, as an obligation or an option. You know, a GameStop. Yeah. Uh, And then... Three o'clock rolls around, well, three o'clock central, four eastern. And then the GameStop has to close. Everyone has to leave. They pull down that big iron shutter thing. So then the GameStop is closed. However, this does not stop people from continuing to trade their games with each other, but they do not have the easy means of doing so through a GameStop. They don't have the, the convenience of an exchange, but it can still happen. It's not illegal to give someone a game or get a game once GameStop is closed. It's just harder to do because you don't have the cashier there to like help you out. Some features aren't available. For the most part, you have to apply to be able to do that. So there aren't a lot of people doing it, but it is possible. So while you can't buy and sell on exchange, things can happen to it that will move the bid-ask price up and down. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, I, I, I guess. And then, let's say, a, a game gets moved around a lot after GameStop is closed. Then, like, okay, well, when GameStop was open, this game was worth $150. And then we traded around a lot, and we decided, the after-hours GameStop game people, we decided this game is worth $200. So then when GameStop opens back up, there's a lot of people in GameStop who are like, no, 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 you don't get it. This game is worth $200. Uh, So the way that after hours trading impacts the actual price of security sticks once the market opens back. There are a bunch of people who want to buy it or sell it at a specific price at that point. Okay. So. Sounds like black magic. (laughs) It's just you don't have a fun exchange. It's just harder to do. However, things can happen after the market closes like Elon Musk can tweet about GameStop. And that happened. That happened. Let me pull up the after hours trading numbers. Oh, I got them. <laughs> so we closed today at like 147.98. Right. And after Elon Musk tweeted about GameStop, 
after hours trading brought us to like two hundred and forty three dollars. Wow. Uh, so that one tweet boosted the after hours trading price of all by almost a hundred dollars. And I, there's an argument to be made that like once the op- market opens back up, people who aren't approved for after hours trading or don't know how to do it. We'll see an Elon Musk tweet and probably 10 times the news stories tomorrow. I don't think it's crazy that the stock could continue higher than that tomorrow. Oh, it's going to. People are going to be like, oh, I got to buy in now while while the price is, quote, low, even though it was lower the day before. And then that's going to just make the price. We're getting to a thousand, John. This is we're a getting bubble. To a th- this is getting the definition to- of a bubble. We're getting to a thousand dollars a share. We're going to the moon. This is, listen, shield wall hold, but uh, don't take that as advice, humor. But the kind of interesting thing to keep in mind about this is that, yes, this is the definition of a bubble because the definition of a bubble is an inflated price when the fundamentals don't support it. However, what I think Reddit is doing, and I actually kind of have always believed is true and was taught as much by one of my professors in college. It's like everything's a bubble because nothing fundamentally proves anything. Like if, if you believe a, bu- a bubble is anything that exists above fundamentals, then you're saying something has inherent value. Like if people say their earnings per share is whatever, that doesn't have inherent value. It only has the value that we associate with that number. So, like, everything's speculation. Everything's a Bitcoin. Nothing matters. Right. Like, I mean, any, nothing... The only value anything has is what people perceive it to be valued at. Exactly. No, nothing has... There's, no, there's nothing backing up anything about stocks. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing. There's nothing backing up our currency. Like, there's yeah, no, it's fiat money. There is no true, like, inherent value in anything. But a lot of people, what they're saying, a very common thing for people to say is that Reddit is, like, single-handedly disproving the efficient markets hypothesis. What is that, John? The efficient markets hypothesis. There are three different forms of the efficient market hypothesis. But essentially... To boil it down, the efficient markets hypothesis says that the market will respond perfectly, which is a a loaded term that economists like to use, but interestingly, scientists don't love to use so much. (laughs) Uh, It's almost like economists believe in like perfect states of existence and perfect states of exchange. Uh, but, But they say that the market will react perfectly to all available public information. Uh, So if you're a strong believer in the efficient markets hypothesis, you would imagine that if a company releases an earnings report that's good, then the price would go up. And by the time you buy that stock, it would have already accounted for the positive earnings report. Like the efficient markets hypothesis, if you're a very strong believer in it, says that there is no gaming the market. There's no timing the market. It's just buying things you believe in and knowing that in the future they'll increase in value. It is anti-speculation and what's happening on reddit is showing that the efficient markets hypothesis is uh bullshit 
Uh, nothing has fundamental value. People can choose to make stocks go crazy if they want to. Just as a joke, the efficient yeah. markets hypothesis never said the market reacts perfectly to lols. <laughs> it just goes to show that maybe in your everyday life, the market will respond perfectly to all of the public information available. But when a group of people are, who are very motivated and have disposable cash for some reason really just pick one stock to back, they can just raise that stock's price to insane levels, seemingly by magic. Yeah, we, we no longer have an efficient markets hypothesis. Markets are not broken. They are changing. We are, we are proving that things are new. People have said the same thing of Bitcoin for so long as they're like, it's purely speculative. Its value is made up. How insane it is to invest in that. And it's like, that has been and will be everything. Everything is Bitcoin. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, just... The funny thing is, like, Bitcoin is actually backed by a, a limited supply of of coin. So yeah, they can't the, print new Bitcoin. Yeah, you can't print new Bitcoin and, and thus, like, create more of it to be bought at a low price. So in that way, it's at least confined to a system of rules. Uh, but it seems like there's just an endless amount of stocks and then – that's not true, but you can then sell on the options for the stocks and you can buy on margin. And it's like, you've got all these other ways to treat stocks. And it's just kind of like, it's, it's not a closed system anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so you, you can use the system kind of against itself in a way to drive up the price of a certain stock and make one Redditor and Michael, <laughs> Dr. Michael Burry, very, very wealthy. Yes, uh, we are doing nothing but making certain people extremely wealthy, which is true of almost everything we do in our lives. Right. Uh, there, there is an argument to be made that because of our thirst for wealth, we have over-derivativized uh, our financial markets so that people – with enough capital and time, can basically do anything they want with them. Like, I'm sure there are people on GameStop stock right now who are taking out like 8x margin calls. Like, they're either gonna like die in the street or tomorrow they'll be a millionaire. Well, absolutely, for sure. Um, I, I mean, because at the end of the day, you're basically gambling in one way or another. Yeah. You're gambling that the stock will go up. Or you're gambling and the stock will go down and you've got different ways to, to to affect that gamble. But essentially, price goes up, get money, or price crashes, lose everything. That, that's kind of what we're talking about at the end of the day. Man, that stock really is staying at $200 after hours, though. Robinhood, which is a free app uh, and thus should not be trusted... Uh, has has the price locked in at $209.25. It's not fluctuating at all. I also do want to be perfectly clear. Uh, I know that we said that everything we say about this is for humor, uh, but this is genuine financial advice. This is the only piece of genuine financial advice I uh, can or should give on the podcast. Don't make decisions based on after-hours trading. Uh, oh, things yeah, okay. can go wild once the market opens back up. Like, sure, it's who knows the stock could open at 
$80 tomorrow. Don't make decisions based on after hours trading. Yeah. Don't do I, I that. Guess that's, I'm guessing that's why Robin Hood locks it at a certain value. It's like, just wait. Just wait until the market opens. Don't do anything. In fact, you can't. A number of reputable like financial services, their brokerage tools won't even show you after hours trading numbers because they don't want it to influence your decision. Because for the great majority of people, it just doesn't matter. And if it changes right. the way you approach something, it's typically there was this thing where like NVIDIA got like crazily overvalued in aftermarket trading and then people put in a ton of orders to buy it at this higher price it opened way lower and people lost a ton of money like the the stock price of of nvidia hasn't even gotten back up to that point yet it's taken them like six months to recover wow that's don't don't do that yeah And, and you know of course there's a lot of survivorship bias going on like for every for every redditor that I'm seeing making millions of dollars on this this GameStop play, there's you know thousands of people who have lost money who are not talking about it. So it, it you know, and just as in all things, there are no guarantees. Um, but I will say that my position, John, I'm up one hundred percent. That's pretty incredible. What's your position? Fifty thousand? Hundred thousand? John, I'll have you know that I own exactly 0.010318 shares of GameStop. Ooh, big spender. Um, I bought exactly $1 worth of GameStop shares when it was around $80. <laughs> Incredible. $80 a share. I, uh... I purchased it at a price that was like $67 yesterday around noon, I think. Yeah. Noon or one thirty, just as a joke. And then today happened, and this morning was wild, and I sold most of it for, you know, some amount of profit. And I just held on to a share just to see what happens. So my market value of my 0.010318 shares is... A whopping $2.16, John. That's incredible. And I'm not selling until we get to a thousand a share. <laughs> well, but when we get to a thousand a share, you're going to make 0.08. You're going to make like $30? Uh, yes, I will make probably around $30 and I will walk away happy because we stuck it to them. We're all better off now. You said it's what, 0.038? Point, it's 0.010318. So 318 times a thousand. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna walk away with a cool $10. Hell yeah, we're doing <laughs> it. This is how you make it big on the stock market. Why would you buy thousands and thousands of a share when you can buy fractions you can buy thousands of Thousands and thousands of a share. <laughs> You don't have to buy whole shares, folks. This is what they're not telling you. Well, on some trading platforms, Robinhood, uh, it, Robinhood is a big deal because you can buy fractional shares on like anything. Huge deal. A lot of brokerage firms don't do that. Um, I don't know. I I just kept seeing these things about Wall Street bets pop up, so I uh, I installed Robinhood on my phone, kind of just to check it out. And they're like, you can't use this unless you put some money in. So it was like, 
a dollar as a joke. And then they let me actually just add one dollar. And then I was like, all right, well, I want to buy a dollar's worth of GameStop. And they're like, yeah, you can do that. And it's like, oh, you didn't say no ever. So I guess this happened. I guess I have a position. Uh, my interesting, I don't know. I want to be clear about my own personal predilections. I'm very against day trading or I'm very against not taking like highly diversified and conservative positions in anything. I think it's silly. I'm, I'm a random walker. I think that for the most part for your average person, the stock market is basically random and I'm not a big fan of gambling. So I don't do that. I did that once like six or seven years ago and I lost like a thousand dollars that I could not afford to lose. So then I just didn't do it anymore. Yeah, these success stories make it seem exciting and they're a little seductive. And you're like, you you kind of imagine yourself winning, not winning, but I guess, quote, earning that amount of money or a large sum of money just for basically guessing correctly when to buy and when to sell. But at the end of the day, you're way better off investing in a, a diversified portfolio and earning just money over time. And yeah, that, I mean, that, like, that, uh, most of my positions are retirement accounts that I don't even touch. I set it to like hit this date and that's when I want to retire. And then it's kind of automatically in index funds and diversified stocks and all this safe, all the safe shit. And, and I don't even look, I look at it maybe like once a year to be like, all right, still trending upward. That's all that matters. Yeah. Just like, I don't know. All of this is very fun. And the last thing I would want to happen from people listening to us talk about this is they go out and they long game stop when they don't have any savings. Like, no. hold on. The the best guaranteed rate of return you can get is zero because it, mm-hmm. you can guarantee a rate of return of zero by saving. Save enough money so that you feel like if you lost your job or get kicked in the head by a horse and forgot how to do your job tomorrow, like... Make sure you have enough money to feel comfortable if something like that happens. What and is this scenario? Once you ha- <laughs> like if you, you get, get kicked, kicked in the head by a horse. And you forget how to do your job? <laughs> you forget how to do your job, so they fire you, you know. And also you can't is get this- health care because we live in America. Wait, is this, is this happening common enough that this is what they're actually teaching in school? Oh, you've well. I I I wouldn't expect you to know because you didn't go to school for economics or finance. But there's this thing called a kicked in the head by a horse contingency plan. Everyone's got to have one. <laughs> this is so. This is the the statistic when they say like so many you know blank percent of Americans don't have a kicked in the head by a horse contingency savings fund. Yeah, and it's shocking how many people don't. Now, of course, you also have to have your kicked in the head by a horse contingency plan bag, which is just a a bag full of thousands of sheets of paper with your name written on them. So you don't forget your name. Yeah. You 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 can hand them out. You can say, this is me, and uh, write whatever you want on it. And then if you give it back, I'll know that that pertains to me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But if that happens, I'm just saying, save your money. Like that's the that's the only guaranteed rate of return you got. Save your money, ideally in something that pays you a rate of interest. And if you just do that for the rest of your life, you're better off than ninety nine percent of people. Right. If you yeah, especially if you have enough money to open up a little savings account, get that one point 
two percent APR or whatever, you know. Man, one point two percent APR. You think you're living in nineteen sixty eight? It's like point zero one percent now. It's ridiculous. It's basically uh, nothing. I know, but for a while there, I was getting one point two from Capital One, but then I think they, I think they ended that, which made me real sad. That's very sad. Let That's me check. I'm, I'm going to check right here on air. We're going to check the percentage of interest I get per year for my savings account. Let's here we go. We have here to we never talk about finance on this podcast ever again. Oh shit. 0.4%. 04 is still pretty high. That's high? Yeah, 0.4 is pretty high. The one? average is like 0.1%. I, this, this account was at 1.5 at one point, and now it's nothing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it looks like the average is currently 0.05% APY. Why do I have a savings account? I should have YOLO'd. Should have YOLO'd everything I had on GameStop. This is not financial advice, please. This is humor. This is humor. This is this is 2020 hindsight vision. This is not... I'm just saying, don't take it from me. Don't take anything from me. But uh, if GameStop gets to $1,000, can't wait to sell it and then put that money back in something that's diversified or safe. Right. Because, man, I'm... I'm I'm going to be similarly unproductive at work tomorrow looking at the price of this goddamn thing. Yeah, me too. That's my plan for the entire day, basically. It's it's fun. It's just fun. You know what? Don't invest in any of this. Don't make any money decisions based on what we said. But just watch it. Just Read watch about it. it. It's like one of the more interesting things that's happening in the stock market right now. And there's very few of those, generally speaking. There's almost nothing else happening too, so you might as well just, you know, pull up a chair, watch watch the game the the game stop stock. That's so hard to say. Go up and down all day. Yeah, listen, we all need some entertainment until football and a vaccine. Yep. And football also, only the, has like one week left. Yeah, we've got uh Chiefs Buccaneers. Yep, I, Chiefs, I feel like every every Super Bowl is uh, the teams that I care have cared the least about, and it's getting worse. Yep, Patrick Mahomes versus Thomas Brady, and a battle of who cares? Yeah, uh, you know Tom Brady, guy who wore a MAGA hat. You know things that I didn't forget. And Patrick Mahomes, star of uh, State Farm commercials. Sure, I don't know. PC, I don't know. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Is Chiefs not the Tom Brady one? Chiefs is not the Tom Brady one. What's Buccaneers? Uh, Tampa Bay? Th- that is Tampa Bay, yes. Oh, yeah. Fuck Florida. Uh, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Uh, also, this is one thing I meant to bring up on the podcast, but we don't have time. The U.S. is going to buy 200 million doses of the vaccine, and they're aiming to get everyone vaccinated by the end of summer. I'm okay with that. I th- I've had enough of this. I mean, I was anticipating I'm in a risk category. By the way, I registered for it, and it asked me questions that actually made me feel vulnerable. 
Well, that's like, good because you're in a, you're in a risk category, so you should feel vulnerable. But it was like check these things if you're in a risk category. It's like obesity. I'm like yes, technically. Do you have a family history of heart disease? Yes, technically. Family history of cancer? Yes, technically. And then it's like we'll be in touch. <laughs> uh, We're so, gonna swing by and just kill you. We'll uh, we'll see. I, I imagined, even though I was in a risk category, that I would be getting vaccinated around like fall. So this is way beating my expectations. So this is good news for me. I was expecting 2022. I mean, I don't think I will see just, I'm a pessimist. I mean, it's impossible to say how much we're going to botch the vaccine rollout. Um, I'm just excited to get it. I'm, I don't know. I have some friends who are vaccinated and like being able to hang out with them just, just feels so normal and nice. So like, come on, man. I just yeah, fucking give it to me. Give it to me, but also let me have a new job where I can continue working from home because I am thriving here. I uh, listen. I just need to take two days off after I get the vaccine because apparently it uh, kind of wrecks you. It kicks your butt. It kicks Uh, your butt. But I mean, you made your DNA grow all these little spikes and your body's like, I'm angry. Yeah. But, uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just, I'm just pointing out it kicks your butt. I'm not, that's not a reason not to get it. Listen, everything we said in this podcast is humor, including when Henry said, don't get the vaccine. I never said that. When I just Henry said, said it kicks Bill your and butt. Melinda Gates are going to put a microchip in your butt. No. We all heard It's him like say when you it. get the flu shot and your arm is bruised for a little while. It, just, it hurts a little bit, but it passes and you're healthy. We all heard Henry say that Bill and Melinda oh. Gates are going to put a microchip in your butt. And if you get the vaccine, he's going to bruise your arm. Go long on Blackberry. no don't humor humor you actually stand it's humor it's humor what we're saying actually you don't stand to have any negative consequences in your life for saying that so say whatever what do you mean well i'm saying oh you can't say anything okay i hear you yeah, I can say things, but, but no, they're can't. humor. They're humor right, in my own personal right. opinion, and they're also not advice. Yeah, I hear you. Whereas I am not – I don't have a position like that, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. uh, turns out John's is the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually uh, Stuart Edward Cash. Yeah. <laughs> Cash. Cash. Uh, anyway, oh. before I put myself in a position where I could go to prison, I can't. It's fine. It's all humor. It's all humor. You're not going. A judge will listen to that and be like, well, clearly this guy is very funny. <laughs> they will listen to whatever is chosen to be the, the pre-roll or stinger to this episode. They're like, I don't want to listen to anymore. The theme song is <laughs> kind of OK, but I don't really <laughs> I'm not really into it. Yeah, they'll be like, the host seems kind of insane and depressed. Why? Who would listen to this? And they have no chemistry. Why do they keep five years? This has been going on. It's by the way, happy five years. Happy five years. When? Like this week. Oh hell! Uh, happy five years. We should do something. Uh, we did. It's called this episode. Hell yeah! What a way to ring it in. Uh, I was applying to a new job recently, and of course, I always lump my podcast experience in with my professional experience. 
And I had to be like, you know, I've been running this podcast for the past and I like stopped to try to calculate and I realized, yep, January 2016 is when we started. God, crazy. And here we are five years later in a completely different place, uh, giving out financial advice left and right because we know what the market's going to do. That's why you listen to us. We're the market guys. That's what we are, humor. Humor and parody. (laughs) Humor and parody and satire and fair use. (laughs) We're not Henry and Sean. We are humor and parody. (laughs) Coming at you to give you all of the parasites. Okay, there's parody. That's a noun. What's the adjective for? (laughs) Paradocity. (laughs) Paradoxical advice. Yes, it is paradoxical advice in that it sounds like we're telling you to do something, but we are not. not. We are not. We are not telling you what to do. No, please. uh, And I think that's enough finance for the entire rest of this podcast life. Yeah, I have. Uh, I think it's come out here and there uh, what my vocation was and is. He's uh, a black a couple times, but it is it has not actually like come out. We we have not talked about all this shit this much, and you know what? It was fun. It was a fun palate cleanser. It's like setting your tongue on fire to get ready for some tasty, tasty sushi. Wait, you set your tongue on fire to eat sushi? That's right. The rest of this year's episodes are going to be tasty, tasty sushi. We got the Hurricane Heist. We got the Justice League. We got the Dawn of the Batman Justice of Superman. <laughs> the Dawn of the Batman Justice. Oh, uh, and uh, coming very soon. I'm still working on it, but coming very soon will be a standalone episode, uh, a standalone supplemental reading of the first season of Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Uh, so look forward for that. I am I am pouring over eight episodes worth of content to clip out all the times we talk about it, put it in one episode. We're going to upload it sometime soon. And once we've done that, John, we've got oh, no choice no. but to revisit that show for season two and three oh, of no. Fast and Furious, Spy Race, Kids, whatever. Yeah, we got to do it quick before these dickheads put out a season four. that probably will be out tomorrow horrible 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 uh is uh is godzilla versus kong coming to vod it is going it is going let me tell you what it's going to do john Uh, it's coming out uh it's going to be a simultaneous release it's going to be in theaters boo but it's also going to be on hbo max yay but only for, free, for like, like wonder woman 1984 but only for like two weeks or so kind of like wonder woman 1984 it's a limited time streaming release but we will have access to it so we could very well dive into that cinematic universe if you want i mean genuine question i i know that I am a huge Godzilla fan, as are you, and I also quite like King Kong and was a big fan of Kong Skull Island. I would be pretty down to talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Okay. Should we just do that one or do we back up? <laughs> do we back up and watch Skull Island, King of the Monsters, and 
Uh, that's all there's of a them, mo- right? D- there's a movie before King and the Monsters. Is there? Oh, is yeah, it there was- Godzilla 2014 or whatever? Yeah, there was a first Godzilla movie with that same cast of characters, including Millie Bobby Brown. Really? I've never seen it. Yep. It, it, it had the coolest trailer. It was like troops skydiving through smoke. And then like in that smoke, you could kind of hear the Godzilla noise. And then all of a sudden, like they're right on top of Godzilla. It was so cool. Brian Cranston's I mean, I love, in it for I like a minute. I love Godzilla. I love Godzilla. So that would be that would be Godzilla, Skull Island. <laughs> so And then Godzilla King of Monsters. So it'd be four additional supplementaries in addition to the Hurricane Heist, two Justice Leagues. <laughs> No more Mandalorian. Mandalorian's off. All right. We're, we're, that's that's finalized. We're not going to do Mandalorian. I mean, I love it, but I don't know. It just Every, everyone, to... just, everyone just watch the Mandalorian and pretend we talked about it. Okay. So what we're going to do, and we need <laughs> to stop promising this. We got to start moving on some of this stuff. Next week is a supplemental reading, I've decided. Um, of what? I don't know. Hurricane heist. Get it out of the way. Well, I guess we could. I guess we could uh, do that. Here's what we'll do. We will do Godzilla. Millie, Billy, Bibby, Bibby. 2014. 2014's Godzilla. Kong Skull Island. Godzilla King of the Monsters. And then Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be four different supplements. We'll, we'll figure that out. However, then... We will have unlocked the ultimate supplemental reading, one that I have genuinely been wanting to do for two years. What? Yes. If we watch all four of those movies, oh, we'll no. then do a supplemental reading of Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla? Shin Godzilla, the most disturbing Godzilla movie ever written and directed by the creator of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wow. Okay, if we do all four of those... Then we do Shin Godzilla. Yes. With a disclaimer that no one is going to like the movie or the supplemental reading. <laughs> Shin Godzilla's have you seen Shin Godzilla? I've heard Tale. It's good. It's a gen- I think it's a good movie. I, I've heard it's not a movie you go in expecting to have fun. You know, you're not wrong. Yeah. It it is a movie that truly communicates that Godzilla is actually a horrifying thing. Right. And his oh, shin man. is the main antagonist. His shin is the main end. I'm ve- I'm genuinely excited. I have wanted to rewatch Shin Godzilla for a long time, and it is a movie that I could talk about a lot. All right, so So where once it reviews. was <laughs> where once it was the summer of Fast and Furious this year. The summer of Godzilla. The summer of Godzilla. But just to review, we've got Hurricane Heist, Hurricane Spy Kid Racers, Fast and Furious Spy Racers, Season 2, Season 3, the two <laughs> Justice League cinematic, Justice whatever League. So the we're fuck. at five right now. Then four Godzilla movies, four then Godzilla. Shin Godzilla. That's ten, ten supplemental, supplemental readings. are on the docket for this year. And we're going to try to get to all of them in time. I mean, we've got to be able to, because otherwise there's still like 30 more weeks left in the year. Right. And what are we going to do? Talk about what's happening every year? Fuck no. Come on. Every week? (laughs) (laughs) Every year. (laughs) 
Whoops. <laughs> every time we podcast, we're like, oh, what's happening this year? And then we recap everything that's the happened in- year to date. Yeah. We never Dumb. get to new business. We never get to new business. It's always old business. We need to finish this podcast before we promise additional supplemental readings. Next week, Hurricane Heist. Next week, Hurricane Heist. So we'll try to do that. And uh, if you want to su- submit more ideas for supplemental readings, you want to hear from us, you can get into contact with us. Uh, how about like on Twitter.com? Just send your pick for a supplemental reading to at ZCPCWHJ. And uh, I believe John knows what that stands for. That's right. We're going to do a supplemental reading for uh, seven movies that start with each letter. The first one we're going to do is Zootopia. Then we're going to do Chronicles of Riddick. Then we're going to do Phantasm 2. And then we're going to do Chronicle. And then we're going to do Willow. And then we're going to do Handmaid's Tale, the movie. And then we're going to do Jungle Book. That's right. Seven more supplemental readings coming at you. And if you have just a long, long list of movies you want to hear us talk about, just copy that and paste it into an email and send that to email at zerocredits.net and we'll get it and we'll review it and we will promise to do all of them. That's right. We're doing every supplemental reading that people suggest us. Uh, we are on um, Spotify. You can find us. Just search Zero Credits. And you'll find us. We're also on Apple Podcasts. And if you could do us a huge favor and just submit any supplemental readings you want us to do in the review section of iTunes and click that five-star rating, we'll be able to search by five-star ratings and find all your supplemental reading requests. And we'll promise we'll do all of them. And uh, the last thing you can do and the most important thing you can do is just talk to people on the street um, with your mask on. Uh, hop into random Zoom calls. Tell your church group. Tell your non-church group. Tell your anti-church group uh, that we are just going to do every supplemental reading from here on out uh, until the end of the world. So if you could tell them, like, hey, they're going to do this really obscure movie that I suggested, and I think everyone should listen to it, uh, and then they tell two people that same sentence. We'll just have a whole network of people talking about the supplemental readings we're doing in 2021, and. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. That's so. That's the only way we can survive. Word of the yeah. mouth is the only way we can survive. There we go. Does it go to me and then I say the from the end? Yeah, you say from, it. Okay, yeah, you, you say it. Yeah, you okay. Say it. I always forget yeah. how this works. This it's pod it's of crazy. cast and from everyone here at the Zero Credits Twenty Seven Supplemental Reading Studios, screaming into a dirty mattress in a garage studios. We want to wish you a happy week, and first of all, hold, shield walls, the short sellers will not stop us. Uh, hold, and goodbye. Goodbye. Keep those diamond hands strong. Not advice. Humor. Parenting. Parenthetical. Parenthetical.